Welcome to episode number 97, Sex and Intimate Relationships. First, uh, before we get started today, I hope that you will find some measure of understanding during this podcast. Sexual relationships with the complicating factor of mental illness can be difficult to navigate and even difficult to understand for the person experiencing it. A level of mercy and understanding for oneself should always accompany the sexual issues surrounding mental illness. Far too many individuals have condemned themselves to the celestial kingdom and given up because of what they feel and experience inside of mental illness. The sexual feelings can be powerful, real, intoxicating, and guilt-ridden if one does not approach the subject with some correct understanding. For those who suffer and struggle to be good members and yet falter because of mental illness in various ways, you should know that celestial life is still very much within your reach. The power of the atonement of Jesus Christ is very real and contains sufficient grace for you and all the problems that come with sexuality and mental illness. The Lord just needs us to continue to work towards eternal life, no matter the circumstances, problems, or feelings that fall outside of the Lord's commandments. Now, just a note, we are going to be talking about sex and intimate relationships within the context of church doctrine and mental illness. Meaning today we're going to discuss a good portion of sexuality and mental illness and what it means to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints while navigating obedience to the law of chastity. I understand that there are many opinions, thoughts, philosophies, theories, psychological practices, and traditions surrounding intimate relationships, and many of these currently do not align with the doctrines and practice practices, or principles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am not intending to argue with the various educators, theorists, and medical doctors on the subject. My intent, and the intent of this podcast, has always been and is to address the living, living the gospel while suffering with the effects of mental illness. Today's discussion will center on living within the current law of chastity and dealing with the adverse effects of mental illness on sexuality. There are plenty of individuals who advocate for changing the central doctrine of the law of chastity as a matter of inclusion and compassion. Today will not be about that. Today will be about living the law of chastity within mental illness and as a temple-worthy member of the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, the law of chastity of the Church of Jesus Christ has not changed from the early days of the Church, and in fact has not changed throughout recorded religious history from the days of Adam to today's prophetic utterances. The law designates sexual relationships should only occur between a man and a woman who have been lawfully married both in terms of governmental laws and the laws of God. That, of course, is the basis of the law. The law does extend further by stating that masturbation and various types of sexual contact before marriage are also considered sin. Things such as petting, kissing leading to increased sexual desire or thoughts, creating and entertaining sexual fantasies in the mind, uh, the avoidance of same-sex touching, kissing, or anything that would really increase or develop same-sex feelings, avoiding pornography, in literature, pictures, or in the mind. It also includes full fidelity after marriage, meaning that even entertaining thoughts of sexual encounters outside of marriage is forbidden. Even once someone is married, the two individuals are under some restrictions as to their sexual behaviors. Just because sex is authorized within marriage does not mean that anything goes. The intent of the law of chastity is to provide the individual 
and the married couple with guidance as to how they are to navigate and control their sexual desires and how sex is to be part of an enduring marriage. So let's talk about the sexual desire and then how that relates to mental illness. Sexual desire is really a driving set of chemistry in the brain and body. The chemistry does not necessarily create a single one-level desire for sex. The chemistry, in point of fact, is always changing, and thus sexual desire modulates and changes over time and even throughout the day and night. Sexual desire is different for men and women and differs by age. It also is affected by diet, exercise, activity, thoughts, drugs, alcohol, and almost anything that adjusts or affects the body chemistry. Because sexual desire is really a chemical drive that is in turn interpreted by the body as the sexual drive, one can easily see how this desire could be manipulated or altered by a mental illness that deals with the chemistry of the body. Now, I fully understand that everyone's experience with mental illness and sexuality is going to be an individual experience. And comparison and generalities about it are going to have their limitations, but they are definitely a good starting point. So we will start today with depression and then move into bipolar and finish with some thoughts on anxiety. When we look at clinical depression and sexual desire, the common response for the male body is a lack of desire to have sex or a lowered libido and also an inability to have an erection. The depression chemistry most often overrides the sexual desire and causes one to avoid sexual contact or at a minimum reduces sexual activity and thoughts. Uh, the female body does react similar in similar ways with a lowered libido, but sex can also become very painful rather than pleasurable, thus augmenting one's desire to avoid sexual contact. Although the desire for sex can and does fluctuate based on the depth of depression, reasons for the depressive episode or depression, and where one is at in their particular episode, long depressive episodes can make one feel a loss of connection and love because of this weakening of this desire or chemistry. Now, society has long associated the sexual desire with love for another person. Now, while I agree that physical attraction or sexual desire is part of a relationship, I do not necessarily like to associate it with the idea of true love. I almost without exception consider love that part of the relationship where service and the desire for the happiness of the other person lives. Physical attraction, while definitely important to a relationship is not as critical to a loving relationship in the sense for in the sense of desire for happiness well-being and the desire to serve one's companion i think that it is important to separate physical love from this charity or spiritual love in the relationship and to treat them differently and and separately when discussing mental illness and sexual desire you can still very much love someone without having an immediate sexual attraction to them. Depression generally causes sexual activity to decrease. Thus, within the marriage, it can really become a point of contention without some understanding from the spouse regarding the effects of the illness and the understanding of the difference between physical love and spiritual love or charity. It is very important to discuss sexual desire and sex when one of the two individuals in a marriage, or both of them, is afflicted with depression or another mental illness. Making assumptions about love based on sex and physical desire between one another is a recipe for disaster and contention in a marriage. While it is unlikely that the person not afflicted will fully understand what is happening to the afflicted, a discussion about what is happening and what is being felt is 
can prove to overcome poor assumptions and miscommunications. Often couples who are open with one another about their sexual desires find greater happiness in the relationship, even when one is suffering with a serious lack of desire. While depression generally causes this loss of desire, depression also causes at the same time serious physical pain, fogging of the mind, a serious problem with self-worth and conflicts in the mind, and really a darkened mood and attitude. The body, unfortunately, really attempts to avoid these types of feelings that come with depression and concerns. Now, while attempting to avoid this pain and suffering, confusion, and all these self-worth issues, the body will tend to reach out to, let's just say, any available drug that allows for at least a moment of relief. Sex or sexual activity in some form provides for a chemical reward for engaging in the act. The internal reward for sexual activity is a viable drug that allows for at least a moment of relief for people. Many individuals, while not desiring sex, will actually reach out to the sexual thoughts, pornography, and even sexual activity in various forms to obtain the drug to overcome the depressive feelings, if but for a moment. Now, the purpose of this sexual activity in this case is not the bonding moment for a married couple or even a demonstration of love for each other, but rather a chemical relief for the person suffering the pains of depression. Many times, this search for relief can become somewhat of an addiction. While we would like to perceive this addiction at times to be more of a pornographic addiction or addiction to sexuality, the reality is that it is and should be treated as a drug addiction brought about by the suffering of mental illness. We should be treating it as such when we look at correcting the behavior. If one treats only the addiction to pornography or sexual activity without addressing the depressive episodes or even mental illness, one is likely to fail regularly until the mental illness is addressed and managed appropriately. Meaning, you cannot treat the one without the other and find successful outcomes. Now, it is also important to remember that spiritual communications, feelings and thoughts, and positive attitudes are seriously altered during a depression. And the spiritual fortitude to resist temptations and make important moral choices is also significantly diminished. If one is afflicted with a sexual drug addiction, one must understand that it is likely going to take some time to overcome the problem even with treatment of the depression, counseling, and working on the addictive behavior. It will take someone with mental illness far longer to overcome an addiction to pornography or sexual activity due to the complicating factors of mental illness and the feelings that go with it. It is critical to remember during the process of treatment, counseling, and addiction recovery that failure is likely at times and to perceive the recovery process as a process not an immediate destination. Now, in addition to this possible sexual drug addiction, depression creates very serious dependent feelings to arise within a relationship. And most people who are afflicted with depression find it very difficult to remove themselves from problematic situations or relationships. Now, when we talk about relationships, the loss of a relationship can and does create very, very painful feelings physically, physiologically, and spiritually. Now, these feelings can be so painful that the person who is dependent will do almost anything to avoid them. I have often heard them expressed as some of the most painful things a person can experience. 
the avoidance of this pain and suffering often causes individuals to remain within a physically abusive situation, viewing the pains of leaving the relationship far greater than the pains of the abuse. Now, certainly the abuse causes far more damage over time, but understand individuals with depression have great difficulty seeing long-term. Because of the nature of the dependency and the problems of pain caused by the mental illness, the person actually becomes trapped in a dependent relationship prison, as it might be called, created by the spouse or the partner, in that they will do almost anything to avoid facing the terrible pain and suffering of the loss of the relationship. This means that individuals in a weakened spiritual state from the depression will leave church membership, have sexual relationships outside of marriage, and really do almost anything to avoid losing this connection. The reason is truly chemistry in the brain, and that that chemistry in the brain tends to emit positive chemistry due to the relationship, even when that relationship is dysfunctional. And the depressed individual loses what little positive chemistry they possess when they remove themselves from that relationship. From the outside, the addictive dependency can seem very strange and confusing to those watching dysfunctional relationships. But the dependency and the feelings are very real. Now, switching gears a little, if you consider bipolar, you will get everything noted about depression, and then you will get the flip side of the equation, which is the mania. Meaning that everything we have discussed about the depression and sexuality will be true in the sense of bipolar, and then you will add mania to the equation. Now, mania is opposed in almost every way to depression. When you think about it, one feels bulletproof, overconfident, with an increased increase of available energy and mental ability. I've often talked to people who have had energy for days and have had to sleep but little when you think about this mania or when they feel this mania. Along with this extra internal energy, typically a wave of sexual energy is likely to emerge. It is referred to as hypersexuality. Basically, the sexual drive is placed into an overdrive situation. And the desire for the sexual drug, we shall call it, is increased significantly. Because of the significant increase for sexual activity and the overconfidence, individuals with bipolar often commit risky behaviors, including sexual activity outside of the covenant, pornography, and really any such other activities. It is not uncommon to find members of the church who have and do experience bipolar issues on the outside of church membership looking in because of this bulletproof feeling and the increased, significantly increased sexual desire. Now, I've found that church discipline and bipolar tend to run together on a regular basis. This doesn't mean that everyone who has bipolar goes outside of the covenant, but it does mean that they are far more likely to have issues with sexuality, including pornography and even sexual activity, not deemed acceptable by the doctrine of the church and the law of chastity. The combination of bulletproof feelings and the significant hypersexuality causes most individuals to falter at least least one point in their lives, if not on a consistent basis. Most people afflicted with bipolar will tend to draw themselves away from church activity due to the consistent and persistent problems faced and found with sexuality and hypersexuality in the law of chastity. Many will never even see the church discipline because they will move away from church doctrines to avoid this 
conflict in hypersexuality in the law of chastity and within their desires. It can feel very impossible to have bipolar and live within church standards and doctrines. Now, I say it can feel impossible. I don't believe it to be impossible. But in my experiences with many individuals, the fight is terrible. And it times costly, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Certainly, there is a greater reward to it. Many have told me that the desire can become so intense that they begin to shake and tremble because of it, and their mind becomes clouded and really one-dimensional in the sexuality. They are unsure how to approach the problem and overcome the intensity and really remain a member of the church. Now, I would personally say that an untreated bipolar, that untreated bipolar and church membership generally do not mesh very well in any sense of a relationship. I don't personally know of too many untreated bipolar individuals who remain within the church membership for very long. Certainly there are some. Treatment, however, is the key to being able to withstand the trial of bipolar disorder and remain a temple-worthy member of the church. This does not mean that once the treatment and management begins and becomes stable that the person will not have to contend with some level of hypersexuality. What the treatment means is that the increased desire should be lowered to a level where one begin can begin to work through the various safeguards and options to avoid sexual sin. When we talk of treatment and mental illness, we are really talking about managing the mental illness. And for those whose mental illness is moderate to severe, this can generally mean medications and counseling. The purpose of medications is to shallow the depth of depressions and mediate the highs of mania into emotional areas that are far more normal and, of course, manageable. However, in doing so, these medications often have serious effects, side effects with the sexual desire and even sex itself. Many people who take medications regularly find a reduction in sexual desire and also what we call a dulling of the sensitivity, meaning sex will feel different, and getting to the point of a completion or an orgasm can be far more difficult. Medications can also help the sexual desire to increase to normal functionality, but still often cause this lessening of sensitivity when it comes to depression. Now, I found that many of the individuals do not like this dulling of feelings, both from the sexual point of view and other points of view, and sensitivities, and will avoid the medications as part of the treatment. When, medica- when beginning medication for mental illness, it is important to understand that it is going to affect one's sexual desire, and to discuss this with one's spouse as the medication takes hold and progresses. Now, as we learned last general conference, more adults in the church are now more single, they are more single than married. Mental illness, sexuality, and single life can be extremely difficult to navigate. One should be careful to choose individuals to date with high moral character and who are protective of the sanctity of marriage covenant. Dating individuals with a lessened moral character or who do not possess the same moral convictions is problematic for those who suffer with mental illness. And not just problematic, it can be detrimental. The lessening of spiritual fortitude and the dependent desire caused by depression, bipolar, and even anxiety will lead to the suffering person taking on the same moral character of the partner, and it can lead to sinful patterns of life. When one suffers with mental illness, it can be difficult to rationally consider a person they are dating or a person they are considering a more serious relationship. It is recommended that those who suffer have someone with whom they can confide and rationally consider the nature of the person they are dating. It may not 
be romantic or feel, and it may feel impersonal. But considering the possible outcomes, it is internally significant and important to have someone to discuss these relationships with. So what of anxiety and its role in sexual desire? You know, interestingly, interestingly enough, persistent anxiety can cause both a retraction of sexual desire and it can cause an increase depending upon the person, the severity, type, and nature of the anxiety. It can also cause sexuality to fluctuate from episode to episode. While anxiety leans towards the loss of sexual desire, it certainly contains elements where hypersexuality can occur. Anxiety also contains elements, the same elements of dependency, addiction, and everything we've discussed with both bipolar and depression. One who suffers serious anxiety, like with bipolar and depression, will need to monitor how and when and what they feel when it comes to sexuality and to take appropriate actions when those feelings come. Again, the most important idea when it comes to mental illness and sexuality is that you need to manage the mental illness for the sexuality to be managed. Now, I would like to spend a couple of minutes discussing one idea when it comes to at least same-sex attraction and mental illness. Because mental illness can and does seriously affect the sexual drive and create serious relationship dependencies, it is not uncommon to find same-sex attraction as a common element in those who suffer from mental illness. Hypersexuality and even the loss of sexual attraction can both cause the body to have these same-sex feelings. Now, these feelings may change with treatment and medication and may not and are really part of the mental illness world. Now, I'm not saying that same-sex attraction is always because of mental illness. I am saying that same-sex attraction is more prevalent in individuals who suffer and whose sexual attraction has been altered by the mental illness in various ways. I realize that the world of same-sex attraction and the various types of sexuality is far more complex than I have stated. My intent today is to simply state that when someone suffers from mental illness, they are far more likely to feel sexual desires for the same sex and other types of sexual desires such as trans feelings and even feelings of no sexuality. What is important to remember as a member of the church is to treat the illness and then work towards treating the sexuality. So what is the answer answers to the sexuality and mental illness problem and living the law of chastity? First is to have an understanding and mercy for oneself, the illness, and others who are working through the process of mental illness treatment. And of course, dealing with the various sexual problems that come with it. This is not to say we're going to cast aside the law of chastity. What I am saying is that we should allow, we should withhold judgment of individuals as most of us do not fully understand the nature and power of mental illness and what it takes to manage and treat it. We should also allow ourselves mercy in our errors and avoid giving up because we are not successful the first time we attempt to manage our illness or our sexuality, the sexual feelings and addictions that come with it. We need to look at, a, a look at it as a process and give ourselves time to sort out the mental illness and the sexuality. Second, we need treatment of the mental illness if we are going to be successful in treating the addictions. You cannot treat the addictions and expect to be successful if you do not treat mental illness at the same time. This also means that once you reach a point of management, you cannot go back to old habits and, and remove medication aids. Returning to any previous life habits is likely to get one into trouble, and the old habits, dependencies, and addictions are likely to return. Once you have mental illness and the addictions that come with it, 
they will always be with you to a greater or lesser to a, well to a lesser extent hopefully third we need to avoid the trap that we are somehow flawed and without the ability to succeed in the gospel treating mental illness is going to be extremely difficult and it can feel as though we are flawed and without the ability to overcome and succeed in a gospel setting we can feel as though we don't belong in the kingdom of god and we need to just settle with the terrestrial or celestial kingdom treatment of mental illness and addictions can take time and serious effort we simply need to treat ourselves with mercy and understanding that the lord fully understands our trials and problems and actually has prepared a way for us to overcome even if that way doesn't feel possible or that it exists the lord expects expects a good effort and then he is willing to grant sufficient time and mercy to allow for someone to fully overcome the addictions of course he will also add his own grace fourth we need to communicate to our spouse our feelings desires addictions and sexual feelings communication is key to helping each other find happiness and work through these sexual feelings this does not mean the casual verbal and nonverbal ways we show we desire sex this means talking about sex in a real way and discussing issues desires and problems without complaint judgment finger pointing or what we might call guilt gifting the person with mental illness needs to do their best to explain both the hypersexuality and the lack of desire and how best the two individuals can meet the needs of each other leaving this discussion to nonverbal cues and communication and assumptions is just going to cause serious issues in the relationship finally when we come to that point in life when we begin treatment we are in the middle of treatment or are doing fairly well that the lord is always the lord is always available to give strength help with addictive feelings remove obstacles give love and mercy and help us to overcome and find that pathway to success now may the lord bless you in your efforts and help you to find happiness and may you ever do your part so that the lord can do his until next week